0: Please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter seven. We're actually going to be chapter seven and eight. We're going to be looking at chapter the end of chapter seven and beginning of chapter eight. The point of the argument of the apostle in the book of Hebrews is the superiority of Jesus over the Levitical priests. But first, from the very beginning, we are told that he is better because he is God. And so even though when we give a list of arguments that he's better, that he lives forever, that he's without sin, understand he's better and he's fit to the job because he is God himself to become man. And that's what he starts off with. He is the very, let me look look to verse one. And it says here, uh, He has in these last days spoken to us by His sons, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. So He's placing Him on the same level as very God. But He continues by saying that as a man, so He is God in man, as a man He is without infirmity without any hindrance to a service. Whereas the the Levitical priesthood were limited by a whole host of defects and weaknesses, by sin, by death, by the inability of the blood of bulls and goats and lambs to actually actually take away the guilt of sin. They were given, the priests of Aaron, were given no real permanence in the position as priests To minister. But this high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ, ordained forever by an oath, without beginning, without end, without sin, both king and priest, this priest being holy, even as God is holy, and harmless, (coughs) undefiled, chapter 7, verse 26, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, that has been crucified. Dead and buried, risen from the dead on the third day, declared to be Son of God, did ascend, and now sits at the right hand of God. And this he accomplished, offering himself as the spotless Lamb of God, once for the sins of his let's, people. Let's read, beginning in verse 25 of chapter 7, all the way to. Uh, Let's just read up to verse 5 in chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 25. So therefore, hearing, putting Jesus in perspective to the biblical priest, he says, wherefore, or therefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for him. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. Now verse 8, now chapter 8. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the son. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man has somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things that Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown to thee on the mount. So we'll stop right there. May the Lord bless this reading of the word. O Lord, open our ears and eyes to see these things in the mouth, even of this one to speak that was true in your presence, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we had gone over it previously in Central and here a little bit, up to 25 and even up to 26, I think, last time, in uh, last week, perhaps. Um, so I'm going to recap some of that, but I'm going to go forward up to, actually, verse 2 of chapter 8, and just touch on verse 5. Um, Jesus Christ, as priest, did accomplish the work of the priesthood. And we are to press on uh, to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because he serves and does the work of of the priesthood in spirit and in truth. We worship him and serve him in spirit and in truth because he serves in spirit and in truth. He serves in spirit and in truth accomplishing the work of the priesthood by offering up of himself on the cross for the sins of his people. Verse 26 and verse 27, For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who doesn't daily, who needs not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's sins For he did this once when he offered up himself. We see that he was very qualified. For such a high priest became us, it says, verse 26, was appropriate for us, was fitting for us. He was, because of his character, holy harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. We'll talk about that a little bit. He was qualified and fitting, superior to the priests of Levi. His work as a high priest was sufficient to the satisfaction of God's wrath, of God's anger towards sinners, sinners, and He has abolished the sac. And, and He has thus abolished the sacrificial requirement of the Old Testament by paying the price in full once and for all. The once offering up of Himself stands in stark contrast to the daily offering up of sacrifices for the the sins of the priests first and then for the sins of the people to whom they ministered to. What did this once offering up of himself for his people accomplish? Well, we understand this. Psalm 103 says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. Jeremiah says, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more, no more. Hebrews repeats that in chapter 8, a little bit further on. I will be merciful to to their righteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. He dying on the cross once and for all has taken away our sins once and for all does not to be, need to be repeated again and again. He is mighty to save in and of himself, powerful to forgive in and, of, in and of himself, plenty able to pay complete satisfaction by the once and for all sacrifice of himself. And God is satisfied. it's propitiation, our sins, are paid in full and God is satisfied. It says in, in Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It wasn't that God was pleased in his suffering, he was pleased in the offering up of himself to pay for sins. Yeah. It pleased the Lord to bruise him, to put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. No other priest brought a more pleasant sacrifice. No other sacrifice was more perfect. No other offering was sufficient and pleasing unto God. It's a crazy thing. This is the Lenten season. and, and And the people who call themselves Christians are still trying to please God by their sacrifice, by their penance. And it's not only happening in the Roman Church, but now it's also coming into some of the so-called Protestant or Evangelical Churches. We have no reason to look back to the Old Testament sacrificial, sacrificial system or to the Temple. There was no need for Aaron. There was no need for Levites. There was no need for sacrifice. There was no need for priests or priesthood because... Jesus serves as priest in spirit and in truth. The denial of this is anti-Christ. It's anti-Christian. You don't understand this. The church doesn't understand. Jesus as priest did accomplish the work of priesthood and serves in spirit and truth by the once offering up of himself on the cross for the sins of his people he did accomplish the work of the priest. And he does so, as he is, secondly, by his everlasting consecration and intercession at the right hand of God in heaven. He offered himself once and for all, but he ever lives by and, and, and intercedes at the right hand of God in heaven. So continuing in verse 28, we read 27 that he, he died once when he offered up himself. But now verse twenty eight, for the law maketh man high priest which have infirmity, but the word of the by, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. So somewhere along the way, well even before the law, there was an oath that there would be one who would come after the order of Melchizedek, by an oath in in uh, in Psalm one ten, So we have two things in this point, by his everlasting consecration and by his everlasting intercession at the right hand of God in heaven. He, he is consecrated forever, for the law makes men high priest which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which has which was since the law maketh the son which is consecrated forever, evermore. The law required the priest sacrificing for himself for the forgiveness of his own sin to consecrate himself and then for the people to separate himself the priest in a sense had no right to come the the Levitical priest or the priest of the line of Aaron in a sense had no right to come into the presence of God until he came to Christ first until he came until the Lamb of God was shed for him so in one sense He he was not consecrated in and of himself, but he had to be consecrated by the blood of the Lamb. (coughs) The, The Lamb pointed to the one who would be consecrated forever. Again, Jesus is the substance, and the Lamb is the type. The temple worship and practice is the shadow. Jesus is the substance without sin or infirmity never having to offer for sin in himself, the beloved of God, well-pleasing in his sight, consecrated forever. The many priests, the entire priesthood, priest after priest, (coughs) exceeding each other in death, only stood for the one who lives forever, who is dead, and behold, he says, I am alive forevermore, and have the keys of hell and death. The The many priests stood for the one who lives forever, is consecrated forever he his everlasting intercession also at the right hand of god now verse 1 in chapter 8 now now the things which we have spoken this is the sum. we have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens when we read in chapter seven, verse twenty-six, that he was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, where was he made? When he, where was he set when he was made higher than heaven? He wasn't the third, or fourth, or the fifth, or the sixth, or seventh heaven. It basically means he was in the highest heavens, which was in the throne of God. And so he sat at the right hand of God. The Father this is explained in verse one of chapter eight, was at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of the heavens. What does he do at the right hand of the majesty? He mediates. He mediates. He intercedes. <coughs> he speaks to the Father on our behalf. His name is before the Father, and we come to the Father in his name. Confession of faith. To all those, uh, chapter 8 of Christ the Mediator, to all those for whom Christ has purchased redemption, he does certainly and effectually apply and communicate the same, making intercession for them, revealing unto them in and by the word the mysteries of salvation, effectually persuading them by the Holy Spirit to believe and obey, governing their hearts by his word and spirit and overcoming all their enemies by his mighty power and wisdom. He mediates redemption and brings, up, brings about our salvation successfully through the difficulties through the sojourn in this life. You might say, even while he's sitting at the right hand of God and holds us by his powerful hand, or he carries us on his shoulders as The Lord carried the children of Israel through the wilderness and does not forsake them. By sitting at the right hand of God, He is able to save them to the uttermost. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 16, if you could could turn there here, seeing that that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Sitting at the right hand of the Father, he knows what we are going through because he has experienced that himself, so he is able to see it on our behalf, even in a greater way, Descriptive way, expressive way, than we can ourselves, because the Holy Spirit can please on our behalf in, in ways too deep for us to understand or to even express. But yet He has been there, you might say, been there, done that in the right way. Hebrews chapter five. Who in the this is so important for us, and, and we can just understand. Have you ever cried with tears of sorrow or suffering or pain before the Lord? Well, Jesus does us in even a greater way on your behalf it says this When the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong t- tribe crying and tears unto him that is able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared though he were a son yet learned he obedience by the things which he had suffered and made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey he uh, And it says here, the verse. And that, and he was heard and that he feared. And was heard in that he feared. Our prayers are heard through Jesus, because he believed and trusted in God. He believed and trusted in the Father. And then it says in verse 8 of, of in chapter 8 of Romans, who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is where, who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession. Why will nothing separate us from the love of God? Because Jesus is at the right hand of God making intercession. So he is he, he is. Consecrated forevermore, and he is forevermore uh, interceding at the right hand of God the Father. He is a high priest better than Aaron because he continues to serve in spirit and in truth. Chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10 continues to speak of the intercession, the work of Jesus the high priest. So he serves by offering himself once on the cross for the sins of his people. He serves in spirit and in truth by his everlasting consecration and intercession at the right hand of God in heaven. And he accomplished the work of the priest and completed the work of the priest. So therefore Jesus has brought to an end the service of the earthly tabernacle. This is why we worship the way we do. This is why we have the views of the, what we do. A lot of people still don't understand. I don't know how, you know, I, I don't. I know in our congregation there was a hard time, it was a tough time of, of, of setting aside music and you know, of setting aside certain things, musical instruments. And why do we do that? And I hear many people say, well, I don't really believe that, but that's fine. Why is it so important that we turn aside? from the Old Testament worship. Well, let's let's read Hebrews chapter 8, 1 and 2, and then verse 5. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. who serve, verse 5, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, said he, that thou makes all things according to the pattern show to you on the mountain. Now, this is not fair for in the third point, when it's almost time to go to talk about, to bring up this subject. Because it takes a, sometimes, a, it's almost like baptism. You can't bring up infant baptism as your third point when you only have five minutes left to preach. You, know, you can't do that. And, and so, how That's it is when, when I was, when I, it took me years to come from, because I, I was a, a believer's baptism. I would start out all kinds of, you know, when you're young, you start out one way, then you kind of make a long journey. So, you can't, well, not, not everybody, I guess. <laughs> but there is no temple on earth. But we still have a high priest. There is still a minister of the sanctuary. Moses was instructed by the word of God to build a temple. But there is another greater than Moses who not only builds the church, the temple, but still ministers in the sanctuary as the one greater than Aaron. So we understand that there isn't a temple on earth. There isn't Aaron ministering in the temple on earth but there is still one greater than Aaron and there's one greater than Moses who was instructed to build the church Jesus says I will build the church and Jesus ministers as the high priest in heaven he prays for us his sacrifice was once and for all he he was consecrated for us and is still consecrated but in that sanctuary and where is it in heaven there is no more sacrifice There is incense, prayers offered. Well, there is a continual sacrifice to Jesus Christ, but in the sacrifice in the temple on this world, which doesn't exist, there is no sacrifice, there is no incense, there is no table for bread, there is no lamps, there is no more altar of burnt offering or, or wash basin for cleansing. There are no physical stones which construct the building. We are the stones, the living stones. There is no more most holy place on earth but now it is higher than the heavens. The shadow arc, the shadow arc of the covenant which people still make a big deal and someday they're going to find it right. That's just a shadow. It's nothing. It's disappeared with the rising of the sun, with the rising of the light of the gospel. Those things are passed away. They're a shadow. all the furnishings, all the rites were shadows of the heavenly things and they were passed away in the light of the gospel. As Moses, by the word of God, built the tabernacle, so Christ, by his own word, now builds his church and he ministers as high priest. Salvation is accomplished, the debt is paid, the gospel is illustrated... Proclaimed and accomplished by the word of Christ. Not by symbols, not by statues. See, the, the Old Testament te- temple was an illustration of the gospel. The gospel now is illustrated by word and spirit. That's what it is. It's proclaimed by the word and by the spirit. For this reason, we no longer cling to the shadow, but we learn the substance. We learn of the substance. We don't cling to the shadow at all. And everything that belonged to the shadow, we don't cling to it. Everything in the shadow represented something which was spiritual. The confession of faith says true worship consists in, and I'm just summarizing, the reading of Scripture with God. It's all centered around the Word of God. The sound preaching... The conscible hearing of the word in obedience unto God with understanding, faith, and reverence, singing of psalms with grace in the heart and the due administration and worthy receiving of the sacraments instituted by Christ. But the church today, and I don't want to include us, but if if it must be included, it must be included. We are wanting to have the census satisfied. And so Paul says this concerning the Judaizers in Galatians. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Are you, are you improved? Is your worship improved by bringing back things that were of the shadow? The things that you could touch and feel and see and look upon and hear. Do these things what make you complete? Jesus says we worship in spirit and in truth worship of god is based on the word of god for the word of god is the expression the word of god is the expression of the god of creation and providence made known and this is the god of the gospel this is the work of jesus christ expressed by his word so true worship is not based on shadowy things and so in a sense i remember years ago central bible church has a long history when i before i came to central bible church There was a group of people that were in it, and they wanted to, and they they broke off from Central. And they said, We want to worship like New Testament Christians. We want to be New Testament Christians. And so what they did was they brought in, you know, hippie like stuff. (laughs) You know, you can still see their signs around Cape May County. They're still there, I think. Uh, But they would bring in the guitar, the music, and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, but we were Old Testament Christians. We were in New Testament. We, we had an organ. <laughs> but we're both wrong. The point is um, a New Testament Christian doesn't rely on props of the Old Testament, but relies, but, but worships in spirit and in truth. That's what a New Testament Christian is. Puts away the, 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 the shadowy temple worship. Charles Spurgeon. And and this is a new thing, the New Testament quote-unquote Christian is a new thing. Charles Spurgeon, a Baptist, says this about musical instruments. He said, we should see all the pipes of the, we would like to see all the pipes of the organs in our non-conformist places of worship, either ripped open or compactly filled with concrete. Then he said this, and this is a problem that we have, but I need the music to help me. I need the music. I need the instruments to help improve worship. And he said, this one broken note from a grateful heart must have more acceptable praise in it than all the wind which swept through the whistling pipes. Instrumental music, he says, with its flute, harp. I don't know what a sackbutt is. Is it a, I didn't want to look it up. I think it's a, uh, 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 what do you call those things? The, the Scottish use? <laughs> psaltery, dulcimer, all kinds of noisemakers was no doubt well suited to the worship of the golden image with Nebuchadnezzar set up. And, he said, served well the infant estate of the church under the law. But in the gospel's spiritual man, these may well be let go with all the beggarly elements. He calls that the, the, uh, the infant estate of the church. And he said, these things are good for the worship of Nebuchadnezzar's idol that he set up. That's why it's a violation of the second commandment. It's idolatry. It's not how God has commanded us. Calvin explains it more clearly. Uh, Spurgeon explains it very eloquently. But he basically, Calvin says this, musical instruments in celebrating the praises of God would be no more suitable than the burning of incense, the lighting of lamps, and the restoration of the other other shadows of the law. The papists therefore have foolishly borrowed this as well as many other things from the Jews. Men who are fond of outward pomp may delight in that noise, but the simplicity which God recommends to us by the apostles is far more pleasing to him. Psalm 33. I'm, I'm, it's not just the musical instruments, but I'm majoring on this just in, in a comment briefly to point out that this is the remnant which is brought over from the Old Testament shadowy things most often in the church. When I choose a last song to, to sing, I try to relate it, and, and, and hopefully, and I don't always do a good job, but I try to bring it into, into kind of an application. With the context of what we're in, what I'm preaching on, um, Psalm 114. In closing, it's a psalm that we'll sing. Um, the comment on it is that uh, the context is that God is bringing Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and He set up a tabernacle for them to carry with them and take with them on their journey. And on their journey, he divided the Red Sea, and he stopped up the Jordan, um, and he uh, shook the mountains, and he provided for them water out of the rock. But remember that when Israel came out of Egypt, um, they, many came out not hearing the gospel, hearing and seeing what God had done, but not receiving it by faith. And they fell in the wilderness. And so we, in one sense, are in a similar situation. The Lord has brought us out of Egypt and brought us into His church, not with a physical tabernacle, but with, a, with the, the, the church that Jesus Christ is building by His own hands. And Jesus takes <coughs> us into the wilderness and through the wilderness to bring us not into Canaan, but into our home in heaven with Him. And in heaven he mediates our salvation and in heaven he pleads the valleys to be lifted and the mountains to be made low and the narrow to be made wide and in heaven he navigates our way into his home and we need to see this by faith we don't need to understand this by having props by having signs and symbols. We need to understand we are in the church by faith. It is a spiritual church. And Jesus is the high priest who ministers to us at the right hand of God. We don't see him going in and out of the temple. He doesn't come back and visit us and show us the blood, his blood stained hands. But he is there at the right hand of God. And he ministers to to us. So instead of looking back to Egypt, like those who fell in the wilderness, we tend to look back to the Old Testament temple. And we ought not to do that, but look forward to the temple which is in heaven and Jesus who serves there. This is why it says later on, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But we have to do this by faith. And this is what's pleasing to God. We worship Him in spirit and in truth, who serves in spirit and truth. Joshua made this statement at the end of the book of Joshua. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand, and then he says, Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass but it was not for those who died who who by unbelief died in the wilderness and so neither shall unbelief see the promises of God which he will bring about to those who by faith cling to him so let us pray as we sing this song help us Lord to see that the old has passed away and that the new has come into being and you, ministering at the right hand of God, see it through forth His church. Let us see this in, as we sing Psalm 114. All the impediments uh, to salvation of, of Israel were driven back, so shall all the impediments to our arrival and full salvation in heaven be driven back by the Lord let us, let us thank you Lord that you do minister to us that you serve as high priest and that you serve perfectly and will accomplish by your might by your power by your consecration by your perfect self sacrifice oh God we thank you we do pray